Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and we have arrived at week two in Denver, Colorado. The Washington Commanders travel out to the Mile High City for week two matchup, 425 Eastern, 225 Mountain Time, to face off against the 0-1 Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos. If you guys are new here, we're going to run through the entire offense, defense, and special teams for the Denver Broncos, matchups to take advantage of, players to watch out for. We're going to look into the rookies that may have an impact on Sunday that Denver selected back in April's draft. We are going to take the layers back of the AFC West's Denver Broncos. As Washington sits here right now, they are 1-0, feeling good. Was not a pretty win in Week 1 over the Arizona Cardinals, but a win in the NFL is a flat-out win. And as we now move into week two, a massive, massive game for the Commanders with the Buffalo Bills and the now 2-0 Philadelphia Eagles sitting on the horizon. I talked to you guys before the Arizona game about how important this first month of the season is going to be for Washington. At times last week, as we moved into that later portions of the third quarter and Washington was down 16-10, they lose that football game there in a world of hurt. Why? Because it's so, I know it's so early in the season, but because of the first month of the campaign. Going 2-2 two and two in Washington's first four games, I am absolutely fine with. I don't know what to expect against Buffalo, and I don't know what to expect from this football team against Philly. But seeing this group against Denver, a test on the road against a team that had a one-point loss against the Las Vegas Raiders, a divisional rival last week at home, they're going to be pumped up to get their first win because when you look at Denver's next few games following Washington it's not easy for the Broncos they of course played the Raiders last week they got Washington this week then after this they travel to Miami to face the Dolphins go to the Bears can be up and down there it's always hard to win on the road then you got the Jets at home Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is no longer there, right? The Achilles injury is going to have him out for the rest of the year, but still a damn good football team. And then they host the Chiefs. So this game has quickly become almost a must-win for the Broncos to get on the right foot and just get in the win column, as it is for Washington, because you go 1-3, and three, potentially, in the first four games of the year, and you're struggling to make your way back. Slow starts is what we've known from Ron Rivera since he's been in Washington. Winning this week to go to 2-0 would not only get you some recognition around the league, winning on the road against Russell Wilson and an improved Broncos roster with Sean Payton now at the helm, not Nathaniel Hackett, who is now the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. It's just going to be a big, big week for the Burgundy Gold. Steps from Sam Howell, staying healthy on the perimeter. Chase Young, he was a full participant in practice the last few days. Seeing him back on the defensive line alongside Montez Sweat, John Allen, and Deron Payne, who were outstanding in week one against the Cardinals. More experience for guys in the back end and Emmanuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Juiced, Cam Curl, all those guys. 
So we're going to go into this Broncos roster, and of course it starts on the offensive side of the ball with Russell Wilson. It was an ugly 2022, but now he comes into 2023 with Sean Payton as a shoulder to lean on, if you will. Completed 27 of his 34 attempts against the Raiders, 79.4 completion percentage, nearly 80%. Two touchdowns, no picks. Hasn't been running the ball a lot. He's someone that is just, in week one, taking what's given to him. Because when you look on the perimeter, Jerry Judy is going to play this week. He is going to play this week. I talked with a scout with the Broncos. He is going to play this week, but it is going to be on a snap count. So expect Jerry Judy to be out there. But KJ Hamler, who they used to, who they drafted out of Penn State years ago, he's no longer. Tim Patrick is out for the year. Cortland Sutton is there. He's going to be one of their top weapons. So that's, you know, Judy and Sutton, those are going to be their head guys. Greg Dulcich, a tight end I mentioned as a, in a small little snippet uh, in the recap of the Arizona game. He's not going to play this week. That's their top tight end who they drafted out of UCLA last year. Second-year kids, really dynamic over the middle field. Bigger bodies is decent as a run blocker. He's not going to be out there. Neither is on the defensive side of the ball is Frank Clark. He's not going to be out there. Hasn't practiced all week. So Broncos, is the injury bug is starting to hit Denver a little bit. And who's going to show up? Because again, I just mentioned with Jerry, Jerry Judy, excuse me. He is not going to play a full slate of snaps. Usually you, receiver, you see a receiver play 80 to 85% of the snaps. He's probably going to be around that 40 to 50% of the offensive snaps, depending how many they get. In the run game, Javante Williams and our old friend Samaje Pirine, Javante led them in carries in week one. They have a rookie undrafted free agent named Jaleel McLaughlin from Youngstown State. And if you guys are unfamiliar with him, I don't blame me if you are. But he is someone in college that just was overwhelmingly productive. Over 8,000 yards, nearly 80 touchdowns running the football for the Penguins at Youngstown State. Not a big kid, about 5'8", 5'9". Provides some versatility on special teams. Provides some versatility with the ball in his hands as a pass catcher. He's not going to get a ton of carries. He did not get a carry behind P. Ryan and Williams in week one. But he is somebody that has that sneaky, scat back, J.D. McKissick type of, of burst to him that he can make a little couple plays. He gets a carrier two, he gets some opportunities in the passing game in the flats to where he can make a linebacker miss and turn, you know, a, a catch behind the line of scrimmage into a, a seven, eight yard gain or a 15, 20 yard gain in the blink of an eye because he understands how to get to the end zone. I get it. It's in college at Youngstown State, not a lot of competition, but production is production. If you can play, you can play. There's a reason why he made this Broncos final 53. He played in week one. He was not inactive. So keep an eye on Jaleel McLaughlin if he does get an opportunity for this Washington defense to holster the kid because he can make some plays with the ball in his hands. I mentioned tight end. Again, Greg Dulcich is going to be out for them this week. Uh, just a really fun young player. I, w- I would have liked to see Greg just from a from a scouting perspective to see him working into year two. But Adam Troutman, tight end, has been bounced around the league a little bit. He led the team in targets last week. Five targets, five catches, 34 yards, about six and a half yards a pop uh, per yards per reception. He's just somebody that is a lot like Cole Turner and, and John Bates and Logan Thomas to where you're going to run five yards and just fall over. Really, that's what Adam Troutman is. Uh, Javante Williams also had five targets. Cortland Sutton had five targets. Samaje Pirain had four targets. So you can kind of get a gist of this Broncos offense to where Russell Wilson prioritized his targets and his workload and volume through the air last week 
with Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan specifically combining for nine targets. That's your running backs. And then Adam Troutman, five more targets. So that's 15, excuse me, 14 targets between a backup tight end and your two running backs. It's a lot of targets, right? And Cortland Sutton, again, as a wide receiver, led the team with five. Second most was Brandon Johnson with three and Lil Jordan Humphrey with two. So this Broncos offense, again, it's going to improve with Jerry Judy, but look for Russell Wilson to get the ball out of his hands quick and try to open up some deep shots down the field uh, on play action. They have a front five that is not bad. It really, when you look at it from a spreadsheet perspective and just look at the names, should be one of the best in football. Um, from from left to right, you're going to see Garrett Bowles, Ben Powers, who they brought over from Baltimore. Washington expect, expressed interest in him in the in the free agency window. Uh, center is going to be Lloyd Cushenberry, right guard Quinn Miners, and right tackle Mike McGlinchey, who came over from the San Francisco 49ers. As a group, they were good last week. Uh, they only allowed one sack. That sack was given up by right tackle Mike McGlinchey, who also really had a rough day. Gave up a hit, four hurries, and six pressures. He was the only lineman other than Garrett Bowles to give up a pressure. Again, six of them as the right tackle. So that tells me Chase Young, Montez Sweat, the edge group, Obata, Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams. Are we going to see any of KJ Henry or Andre Jones this week? Those guys are going to have to push him on the outside. It's been a long time he's been in the league. Former pick of the San Francisco 49ers out of Notre Dame. Really good for the Niners for a long, long time. He was that opposite bookend tackle of Trent Williams for the last few years in the Bay Area, but now comes to Denver with a new contract. And he is just somebody that had a rough week one against the likes of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby and rookie Tyree Wilson, who the team took in the first round back in April um, for the Las Vegas Raiders. So that is their really their offensive structure. Um, I mentioned just the game script of what I expect Russell Wilson. It, it should be a lot of screens. It should be getting their guys, their big boys out in space. It should be a lot of downhill trying to pound Washington to then open up bootlegs and play action over the middle of the field to guys like Adam Troutman. And they're going to give Jerry Judy some opportunities to stretch the field depending how healthy he is and what the snap count is. Because right now this Washington secondary, they got some players, but they are still young. And when you look at it from an individual perspective and individual isolated matchups, Manuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Juice, Kendall Fuller right now aren't going to scare anybody. Manuel Forbes starts taking the ball away, proves as a dynamic cover corner. That's what Washington wants him to evolve into. But right now, moving into week two, just he's just not there yet. It takes a little time. Almost had a pick in week one. Should have had a pick in week one. I, I mentioned it in the offseason. I expected Emmanuel to have about five picks this year, maybe take back one or two of them. I was on track there. Would it maybe look good if we got a pick in week one? But maybe he gets one or two. Who knows? Or maybe he has a uh, D'Angelo Hall four interception game off of Jay Cutler back in Chicago we saw a uh, long time ago. I know you guys remember that day in, in Chicago at Soldier Field. A good day for the Washington Redskins at the time. So Emmanuel Forbes, look, I'm excited to see him in week two. A lot of these rookies I'm excited to see. It was even good to see a guy like Ricky Stromberg get some snaps last week when Sam Cosby, of course, went out and was in that concussion protocol for just a couple of snaps just to see if he was all right, you know, upstairs. Everything was, the cobwebs were knocked out a little bit. Um, but he, of course, made his way back into that football game. So let's hop over to the defensive side of the football for this Denver uh, Broncos team. A, a, a roster, really, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, there are some 
some names, if you want to call it that. I mean, Randy Gregory, our old friend from the Dallas Cowboys, is there. They're part of Zach Allen from the Arizona Cardinals. He's a guy that will play the one-tech, three-tech. DJ Jones came over from San Francisco. Kareem Jackson at the back end from Houston. They drafted Drew Sanders, kind of that spinner role that will play off the edge and in coverage, a third-rounder out of Arkansas. I really like Nick Benito, uh, second rounder out of Oklahoma back in 2022. He's also a little bit of that spinner role that Sanders can play. Just a a dynamic downhill defender that can really rush the passer at times. Really good flexibility and burst to threaten the outside shoulder of offensive tackles. So he will back up Randy Gregory at that left outside linebacker position for this Denver team. Um, But they got some young players. They really do along this defense. Um, The defensive front, they run that 3-4 in Vance Joseph's defense that... You ask a lot, especially those outside linebackers, the reason why they used high draft capital in Sanders. But Jonathan Harris, DJ Jones, and Zach Allen with depth guys like Matt Henningsen from Wisconsin, six-round pick in 2022, Mike Purcell, and Elijah Garcia. You know, those names, they're not going to move the needle for anybody, um, which is fine because Washington's front really interior three, still trying to mesh together. A lot of miscommunications against Arizona. And Arizona really had their way at times from a pass rush perspective uh, and a run game perspective where they were clogging gaps. And it was hard at times for Brian Robinson to get going, even though he had 19 carries. There was about three and a half a pop in yards per carry. So Washington has to be better this week if they want to make life easier on Sam Howell, where they don't have to ask him to drop back 30 plus times and you know have to you put him in third and eights and third and nines consistently. And then these guys like Gregory and Benito and and Zach Allen and uh, Drew Sanders can just peer their, pin their ears back, excuse me, and get after number 14 under center. So as we take a step back into the really the inside linebacking core, Josie Jewell and our old friend Alex Singleton, you guys remember him with the Philadelphia Eagles. He is really going to be their guy that flies around sideline to sideline and makes tackles. Um, but kind of that Cole Holcomb type of skill set to where just because you get a lot of tackles doesn't mean you're exactly a high-level football player. Um, he's just a guy that is cheap, veteran, understands the defense, is the really the green dot inside that defense making the calls, and he's just someone that's going to have upwards of 10 to 15 tackles a game. That's what Alex Singleton is for this defense. Uh, we move back to the secondary. Uh, the starting corners are going to be Damari Mathis, fourth-round pick in 2022, and then Pat Sertan. Uh, guys, Pat Sertan is one of, if not the premier young corner in all of the NFL. He is dynamic. You remember his dad, Patrick Sertan Sr., playing with the Dolphins for a long time, years ago in the 2000s. He is just, he's outstanding. Long, he's got strength to dominate guys in the contact window. He's someone that can play man. He can play zone. He's excellent in passing off guys. He's always aware in his situation to where he's carrying a guy over the middle of the field, dropping off and carrying a guy across or under the middle of the field, if Washington wants to run a quick little slant flat combo to where he's got a he's a man on Jahan Dotson and then they got, say, Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield, he's excellent in saying, I understand this concept. I'm going to break off that slant, pass him to the inside linebackers inside the hash, and I'm going to set my feet, put my right foot in the ground, and make my way up to the flat to where that gain is one or two, a minimal gain. He's just fantastic, guys. Sam Howell, I would advise to stay away from Patrick Sertan. I expect him to travel with Terry McLaurin all, all game long. I really do expect that. Um, so Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, hopefully we see him active this week. I know he's been battling an injury. Deami Brown, guys have to step up. The tight ends room, 
I sent a tweet out yesterday, guys, on my Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler, talking about this tight ends group. And I want you to listen to this carefully because there's been a lot of talk of these tight ends. You guys have known my thoughts on this tight ends group. It has not moved the needle. They talk about big. You talk about catch radius. I'm tired of hearing that crap about this group. Since 2022 in Washington's tight ends room, Logan Thomas, 3.4 yards after catch per reception. It ranks 19th out of 21 tight ends with 55 plus targets. Again, since 2022. John Bates, 3.8 yards after the catch per reception. That is 51st of 59 qualifying tight ends with at least 20 targets. And now Cole Turner, small sample size, obviously battled the concussion last year, hasn't been heavily featured, had two targets in week one. But in the small sample size of nine targets, 2.3 yards after catch per reception. The Armani Rogers injury has loomed so large for this offense, and it consistently remains overlooked. Because when I look at this Kansas City Chiefs offense of the past, don't need to talk about Travis Kelsey. He's dynamic with the ball in his hands. But even Jody Fortson and Blake Bell and Noah Gray, looking at them yesterday in these same stats, courtesy of Pro Football Focus, they are upwards of five, five and a half yards after the catch per reception. You need more for a young offense and a young quarterback in Sam Howell to run five yards, turn around, present your hands, and fall forward. You have to have athletes that can make plays with the football. And Washington does not have that in their offense right now. You guys on social media keep telling me, give it time for Cole Turner. Guys, I scouted Cole Turner at Nevada. We've seen him now for two years in the NFL. We've seen him in two preseasons. We've seen him in live game action. It doesn't take long to identify what an athlete can offer you inside an offense. As an athlete from a 10,000 foot view, what does this athlete offer me from a projectability standpoint inside offensive structure? The tight ends are heavily featured in Eric Bieniemy's offense, but he is not right now a type of tight end that I would rely upon as a Y and an F, a flex tight end in space. Sure, he can rise up over smaller corners and linebackers, but can he get off the line of scrimmage if a guy presses him inside the contact window? Or can he seal a five tech in the running game to just create something outside the tackles? Absolutely not. Still in year two, didn't have a full rookie season. Still improving. Bigger, faster, stronger as he works forward. He's still a young guy. I'm not giving up on the guys. But John Bates, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner offer me the same stuff. Static skill sets. Need more athletes in the tight ends room. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know if Antonio Gibson maybe finally just becomes this static receiver as that tight end option for this offense because he fumbled the ball in week one going in. Uh, When Washington wanted to score in that first half, cannot happen. No excuses for that. Maybe he just becomes that dynamic flex weapon that this offense needs. I've talked about it a ton. He was a receiver at Memphis. He's good in space. He's a good route runner. Yards after catch. He has that ability. Washington needs that in their offense, especially this week, to where a a third of the side of the field is going to be shut down with Patrick Sertan out there. And then you have the roof of the defense and safeties, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, both veterans in this league, that understand what they're doing from a coverage perspective. Whether a guy they're in single high, whether they're running cover two, whether they're playing in the box, like we see a lot from Cam Curl and guys like Derek Forrest. 
This is a good Broncos roster, much better than what we saw last week from the Arizona Cardinals. So that is the Broncos roster. I wanted to go back real quick on offense. I meant I forgot to mention, I feel bad that I forgot to mention, Marvin Mims Jr., their second round pick out of Oklahoma. He is a dynamic receiver. Um, didn't get a ton of work in week one, but he is somebody that can holster a large amount of targets for this Denver offense. I mean, he had two targets, two catches for nine yards in week one and played some, some had some snaps on special teams as well. But with Jerry Judy banged up and with the injuries that have already happened to this offense and then now Greg Dulcich now out for this team, he may have to step up as you're working to week two. You know, you spend capital like they did to get him, again, out of Oklahoma, a guy that can play inside, play outside, um, reminds me a little bit of Jahan Dotson. Um, not from a route running perspective, but just somebody that understands how to win at the receiver position. Whether he's winning on a slant over the middle of the field, whether he's running a post corner, whether he's running a, a, just a go route and trying to win over the corner. Um, he's got burst to do so. He's got good hands. He can play above the rim if you ask him to. Just someone that's good after the catch. Um, he'll stick his face in as a blocker if he has to, but he's that wide receiver three, wide receiver four that's in that mix with Lil Jordan Humphrey and Brandon Johnson as to who really is going to earn targets in the middle to back end of this receiver depth chart with, of course, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton as their one and their two. So guys, that is the Denver Broncos. Again, headlined by Russell Wilson, head coach Sean Payton. Mile high out there in Denver. Look, it can get loud. It can get extremely loud there. Fans are passionate. I know you guys know about every sports team, whether it's the Nationals going to play the Rockies or it's the Wizards going to play the Nuggets or now the Commanders going to play the Broncos. They always talk about the light air in Denver and you get tired just quicker, right? I don't know if Washington used altitude masks or anything like that at practice this week. I don't think they did. You see guys train with that to make it harder um, for their lungs really to just adjust to that type of air. You don't want to see them in second quarter looking like they're worn down. That's some of the advantage that really no other stadium and over the location in the NFL has other than mile high. You get the guys in Denver are used to this type of air. They're young. Their lungs are used to it. Their stamina is more increased because they're used to it. So that's just a little thing that when teams go to travel to Denver every year, you're always going to hear about the thin air and how it just decreases stamina on guys because their bodies are flat out just not used to the type of air. It's just super, super thin air. Now, on the flip side, thin air, Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin, John Dotson, Curtis Samuel, let that thing rip. You got the opportunity. We only really saw one deep shot last week against the Cardinals. Eric Bannamy talked about it this week, potentially making some more deep shots. I know when you listen to EB talk, he talks a lot about the just the team battling through adversity. A win's a win. That's what they're focused on. I know there were some questions about Terry McLaurin's workload. You heard Eric Bianami talk. Terry's fine as long as they're winning football. I get that. But Terry McLaurin wants his targets. He wants to be featured like a wide receiver one. Like you see from a Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown or a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Those types of level of receivers. Devonte Adams. Terry McLaurin, for me, is in that bucket already. But now heavily featuring him in a game plan. It's going to be tough this week. Mention it with Pat Sertan, going to work over him. But I trust Terry McLaurin against any corner in football. 
I really do. One-on-one, I'm taking 17 over probably 99% of guys. And Pat Sertan is probably in that 1% to where I say, it's going to be a hell of a battle. That's what you call good on good with McLaurin and Sertan this week. It's going to be a hell of a battle on the outside for Terry to earn his targets. It's, it's, everything's going to be earned, bottom line, for Terry this week. So again, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, the tight ends room, running backs in the flat, especially that front five to give Sam Howell time to read his progressions and pump throws in on time, get the ball out of his hands, which came into an issue against Arizona, especially in that first half. It's going to have to improve upon as we work into week two. But it is another week for him of practice, more classroom work, really the only second game of his NFL career to where he has tape on himself to see what he can improve. A cool thing to look at on Sunday is if Sam Howell is able to record both a passing and rushing touchdown, he will be the first quarterback in NFL history in their first three career games to have a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, again, in each of his first three career games. First ever in NFL history if he does that this week. So again, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Always appreciate your your reviews and your shares and your subscribes. Again, I'm on Twitter if you don't follow me already, at underscore Ryan Fowler. I will have an episode out for you all on Monday morning, recapping a win, loss, or tie to the Denver Broncos. Again, 0-1. They lost last week, 17-16 to the Jimmy Garoppolo-led Las Vegas Raiders. And of course, Washington is 1-0 following a 20 to 16 win over the Arizona Cardinals. So guys, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy college football on Saturday and then Sunday, 425 Eastern out in Denver. Commanders, Broncos looking to get to 2-0 for the Commanders. We haven't started 2-0 in a long, long time. Haven't beaten Denver since 2017. It's time to break some of those streaks and get to 2-0. A massive, massive game for the immediate future of the Commanders with the Bills and the Eagles right on the horizon in the next two weeks. So again, episode out for you guys on Monday, recapping everything that goes down in Denver on Sunday. Always appreciate your time. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.